Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard, Bill Crystal. And Bill, it's been all cruising all the time. It's pretty impressive. And, you know, I, as a strategic matter, I kind of wish there had been more of a focus on the individual mandate and the most vulnerable parts of Obamacare as opposed to defunding the whole legislation. I just think that's not going to happen in, in that respect. Um, this isn't maybe the single, the best focus for uh, Ted Cruz's efforts. On the other hand, it's an impressive performance. It highlights Obamacare as the issue, which I think is correct in terms of domestic policy. Uh, we're not going to get, Republicans aren't going to get complete defunding or even most of the defunding right now on the continuing resolution as it ping-pongs back and forth between the House and the Senate. But it does set up a much more serious debate on Obamacare, I think, conceivably, on the debt ceiling legislation, which will go in a few weeks. Uh, and there, I think Republicans can pivot, focus on the individual mandate, some other key parts of it. So I, I, we had Andy Ferguson's cover story on Ted Cruz, which is a very balanced, I think, and interesting look at him last week. I put that back up on the website now so people can take a look at it uh, again. Uh, but this has been an impressive performance by Cruz. What's interesting to me is a lot of criticism uh, from folks uh, on the right and the, and the left. Uh, people acknowledge that he, their votes aren't there, that even if this you know, theory of, well, we'll get five vulnerable Democrats to come over and give us 51 votes, well, you still can't override the veto. So until you get to 67, this is all meaningless from a standpoint of stopping the specific CR. But I don't understand, what's the downside of having Republicans beat the snot out of a very unpopular unwieldy program like Obamacare for 24 hours. It seems to me that Ted Cruz is crazy like a fox on this. Yeah, I tend to agree. The only downside is, you know, the opportunity cost of not maybe focusing more on a part that I think they can get out, which is the individual mandate, or even something smaller like the congressional exemption, which I really think they could do even this week on the mm-hmm. on the continuing resolution if the House sticks that back in, remove that congressional exemption that Obama, uh, the Obama administration unilaterally gave congressmen and their staffs. So I, this, the only opportunity cost is to sort of focus on everything means you don't focus quite as much on sort of the parts you could actually maybe go after more effectively where there's an even stronger case in terms of public policy. Obama's uh, delayed the employer mandate. Why not the individual mandate, et cetera, et cetera. Having said all that, look, I've been critical of Cruz. I, I, I remain critical of some of his rhetoric. I mean, it, you know, the idea that people who have a different tactical approach or part of a surrender caucus right. comparing this to Neville Chamberlain. It's just over the top, and it hurts him, really, and it makes him seem a little less serious and a little more like a showboat. Having said that, um, I think this has been helpful. I agree with that. I don't agree with the establishment types who are all clucking about how ridiculous this is and, you know, this is an embarrassment. Quite the contrary. I think an awful lot of Republicans around the country are and conservatives, and not just conservatives, people who don't like Obamacare, uh, which isn't popular, as you say are cheering and saying, hey, someone's standing up and fighting for what he believes. And incidentally, incidentally, Cruz wouldn't have been provoked to do this, I don't think, if the establishment types, if the leadership types in both House and Senate hadn't been so passive for so long. You know, if Mitch McConnell had talked in June and July about fighting Obamacare, if he had insisted on bringing the individual mandate legislation, the suspension of the individual mandate that the House passed to the floor of the Senate and said, I'm going to tie up the Senate until Harry Reid gives us a clean vote on this, if he had insisted on bringing the congressional exemption to the floor of the Senate. Then I think people, a lot of conservatives would have said, okay, you know, leadership's fighting pretty hard. We might be a little, go a little further than they're sure. doing, but at least they're, they're engaging in the, in the effort. They were so passive among the leadership, I think, that it let uh, Cruz and others say, you know, well, fine, if you're not going to fight, we're going to fight all out. And as I say, one can criticize some of the tactics, 
you've got to admire the fighting spirit, I think. You know, the, the other side of this is how little people on the other side of the aisle are defending Obamacare. Yeah, I would challenge very good point. everyone you know, in the Democratic really Party. Who, who is the Ted Cruz for Obamacare who could stand for 20 hours and make the case for it? And it's interesting how little, t- even as the daily news stories have come out this week of you know the, the exchange software is not going to work, we don't know how much this is going to cost you, young people are going to pay far more for uh, health insurance, um, uh, and, and on and on and on. The uh, there's it's almost as though no one is being asked to explain how does this crummy system actually work? Does it matter that the damn thing doesn't work? Well, look, it's going to go into it, begin to go into effect, and we'll start seeing how it works. I'm afraid it won't work well. I'm not afraid. I don't think it'll work well. That's why people like uh, like me opposed it, and one of the reasons. And um, and it won't work at all, and it will be counterproductive. And so that I think will give incidentally more opportunities to Republicans and conservatives to say, look, if you were the kind of person who's undecided about this, you were sympathetic to certain aspects of it, but look how this is working. Can't we at least delay this for a year? I think the delay effort can really pick up steam over the next two, three months. So the only, my only caution about Cruz is to the degree he makes it an all or nothing thing, to the degree he makes right. it, you know, you're a wuss unless you're for defunding the whole thing and we can't focus at all on delaying, let's say, the individual mandate, then I worry a little bit about his rhetoric, as I said. But you're right. I mean, one of the things that's really been exposed is where are the senators and congressmen defending this? Where's the Obama administration? I mean, the president kind of gives these lame defenses occasionally. But And I think people respond to that. They see a senator who's elected I mean, look, he told when he ran in Texas in both the primary and the general election, he said, I'm going to Washington to try to stop Obamacare from ever going into effect. It's a little hard to criticize him for doing what he said he was going to do when he ran for the, ran for the Senate. But the vacuum of defense is really huge. I mean, normally on a, in a public policy area, there's, well, there, you know, it, it may not do X well, but it will certainly provide Y. And other than just the mantra of we are giving people health coverage, which right away, that's... <laughs> raises questions for, well, whose money are you giving it to them with? There is a fact that by some estimates, there will actually be a net fewer people because of the number of young people who simply won't pay the overpriced uh, coverage and will pay the uh, fee or tax instead. I mean, look, their main argument, I, I think, isn't it, is, is it's the law, you know, shut up. <laughs> and that's terribly revealing. They don't want to defend it on the merits. They want to end the debate. And in this respect, again, I think Cruz is onto something with the filibuster and just the sense of, you know, God damn it, we're going to debate this. It's a free country. We're allowed to, you know, you had a Democratic Congress. You passed this law. Fine. We now have a Republican House. We may get a Republican Senate. Uh, and we're entitled to try to amend, repeal, delay as much of this law as possible and ultimately repeal it. And and so I think that's also been an important aspect of this, not acceding to the Obama administration's claim that somehow we're all supposed to be quiet and go home. I think that's the biggest achievement, honestly, of the last six, seven, eight months for, for the Republicans. I was worried in January. We wrote about it in the Weekly Standard. We talked about it, I think, at the time, uh, that you know they would succeed with the president being reelected and sort of stopping, almost stopping debate, stopping questioning of Obamacare. And I think... Um, uh, we've all played a little part in this, but Cruz has played a part, too, in really keeping it uh, alive as a question, uh, a policy question, a legislative question, a political question, which means going into 2014, other Republicans running for the House and Senate can say, I want to go to Washington to join Ted Cruz in fighting to save us from this bad legislation. 
so having the it seems to me that it, if you if you have kind of the bulldog you know pulling at the chain who wants to be unleashed on Obamacare would give John Boehner and others you know so some more strength in the negotiating hand to go back to the Senate and say look you can't have everything you're going to have to give up maybe the congressional exemption or perhaps treating individuals the same way as you treat employers it seems to me as though he's helping the more centrist, if you will, or, or, you know, wanting to negotiate team by being the credible threat of the use of force, if you will, in this negotiation. I think that's exactly right, with a slight caveat that you just, the bulldog needs not to, can't turn on its own team and start <laughs> fighting, <laughs> fighting, you know, you got to be a little, a little bit of nipping maybe at Mitch McConnell and John Bain is okay, but taking a huge chunk out of fellow Republicans, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, not, right. not to get too graphic. Dairy here, airs, anyway, yes. You know, we don't really need, that, that I don't think is helpful. So that's, I think, where Cruz has occasionally gone a little over the line, but as I say, you got to... Uh, respect the, uh, you know, but the politics, both just personally him doing this, but also the political acumen he's showing and, and, and the willingness to take the fight uh, on this issue against the media establishment uh, to the American people. That was in, in Andy Ferguson's piece on Cruz. That was one of the striking things and the impressive things, the degree to which, you know, he thinks he understands uh, how to make a case. And he's really willing to take an awful lot of abuse from the media establishment uh, while making his case, and he seems to be doing fine despite the abuse. Bill Chris with the Weekly Standard, thanks so much for your time. This has been the Weekly Standard podcast. Please check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.